Warning. This podcast frequently contains potentially triggering, violent, and graphic content. Listener discretion is highly advised. Hello again, Nightmare Society. Gather around for another episode of True Horror Stories. I hope you all are doing well. It's been and will be a bit busy around here. We're going to be moving in the next few weeks and we're still recovering from illness and just generally trying to function. But nothing lifts the spirits though like finally feeling a cool breeze down here in Georgia. Anyways, I've got some creepy stories for you tonight as usual. And if you're in the mood for even more, we do have some bonus episodes over on patreon.com slash nightmare society. There's a couple of different tiers you can pick from with different perks, so you can pick your poison. You can also support the podcast by sharing us on your social media and following us on ours at Nightmare Society Radio. A huge thanks goes to our contributors, user ham underscore fx, and user, I think this is user Catherine Hepburn Kid Basement, possibly, but there's no uh, vowels in it. But I'm assuming that's what it says, or it's Catherine Mist. Either way, um, thank you so much for sharing your stories with us tonight, both of you. We really appreciate it. Now, get comfy and prepare yourself for another episode of The Nightmare Society. across the street from a mini storage place and roughly two years ago we noticed they had an auction sign out front. We decided to check it out so we walked over hoping to find something interesting. If you haven't watched Storage Wars the TV show the way these work is the auctioneer opens the unit and you're not allowed to enter or touch anything and you only have a window of about 15 seconds to look around and decide if you want to bid. This unit was small, 4 feet by 4 feet, and my brother and I noticed a group of 5 fishing poles amongst other boxes and bags. We've been talking about buying a few poles and this seemed like a good chance, so we yelled out a low bid and won. Per the auction rules, we had until the end of the day to empty out the unit. Being small, this was a two garbage can job, so we got a can and started sorting. It started out promising with finding a nice microscope and a few tools, etc. Standard storage stuff. I pulled out a plastic garbage bag and opened it to find another tied shut garbage bag, which I opened to find another tied shut garbage bag. And since nothing terrifying is ever kept in triple tied bags, 
I opened it to find the dried, mummified remains of a very old and very dry cat. My brother and I just stopped and stared at each other, and since neither of us needed a dried out cat at the moment, we weren't sure how to handle this specific piece of storage unit treasure. We did what we always do when we faced something this out of context. We just laughed uncomfortably until we looked back into the unit and noticed two more tied garbage bags. At the end of the day, we found three bags with parts of or entire cats. We also aren't doctors, but we're pretty sure there was at least some dog parts in there as well. Granted, saying it was a storage unit full of dead cats would be a bit of an exaggeration, but considering that a storage unit generally has no dead cats, I think a small unit with three or four would be considered full. As if multiple bags of dead cats wasn't bad enough, the creepiest part of the whole thing was finding his or her creepy drawings of cats and a used pink cat food and water bowl. I spoke with the manager of the storage facility and explained my findings, and I asked who owned the unit. Obviously, they couldn't give me the name, but when I asked if they were perhaps a vet, the owner laughed and said, <laughs> Definitely not. He also said that helps explain why the person's other abandoned unit that had gone up for auction prior had been full of empty plastic cat carriers. This happened to me literally a month ago back in February when my boyfriend and I had decided to try out an open relationship for a little while, for various reasons. We live separately in one of the larger cities in the north of Middle America, and there's a decently sized population of college students, like me, to keep the gay community fresh, so I was doing pretty well for myself. One night I was bored and scrolling through Grindr, looking for an easy hookup, when I got a message from a guy who was barely 800 feet away. He wasn't terrible looking, and I was a little desperate, so I agreed to go to his place. He lives quite literally down the street from me. I can see his building from my window. So I walked over, and he let me up and into his apartment. We made small talk and I mentioned where I lived. Hell, I even pointed out my window from one of the windows in the stairwell. From the beginning, I thought there was something off about the guy. Not necessarily bad, just different. An odd twitch in his hands when he gripped the banister. The vacancy of his eyes when he smiled. I'm not so cliche as to say he felt evil or anything like that, but I wasn't exactly surprised that after we got to his apartment, the first thing he did was to tell his very pretty and friendly cat to say hello, 
and the second thing he did was walk over to the kitchen counter, grab a needle, and shoot up. I had not even closed the door behind me. I stood there, staring, and he turned around, dropped the needle on the counter, and went, Oh, I probably should have asked you. Uh, Are you cool with that? I'm not a good Christian boy. I've broken into a church while tripping on LSD. I had sex on a headstone back in high school. But I have my standards. So I shook my head mutely, pulled my hat back on, and opened the door to leave. The guy rushed over and put a hand on my shoulder. Yo, I'm sorry you don't have to go. Do you want to watch Transformers 3 with me or something? Nope. I said bluntly, hustling away down the stairs. I bundled up my scarf against the early February chill and hurried back down the street to my apartment. He followed me downstairs, barefoot in pajama pants and a t-shirt, until I stepped outside into the whipping winds. I turned back briefly to look after a moment and he was still standing there in the doorway, watching me. I didn't have any premonitions of doom or weirdness. I grew up in Missouri. Junkies barely register as odd to me at this point. So I went home and went to bed. Now you might have guessed it, but I had never seen this dude around the neighborhood before. Truthfully, I hadn't seen most of my neighbors because my neighborhood is an odd mixture of white-collar suburbia, college housing, and low-income housing, like my Paramore's building. All on one street. So it didn't really register when I started seeing him more. I would leave for work in the afternoon and he would be on the other avenue across from my building, strolling along. Or he'd cut across my building's parking lot like all the kids in the neighborhood did. A couple of times I saw him walking across the campus mall. My apartment building is directly adjacent to my campus. But he would always swerve to avoid me. Once or twice I would notice him in the grocery store I work at as a barista. But it's the only one within walking distance and he mentioned he didn't have a car. This went on for the entire month of February. Eventually, I started noticing. He would always be walking down the street opposite my building when I left for work at my usual time. And he was only ever at the store when I was working. He had never approached the coffee stand within the store where I work, but he'd look at me. A couple of times I noticed him enter, look at me, pretend to shop, and leave without buying anything. I was starting to feel creeped out, but he hadn't done anything yet to make me feel particularly unsafe. One day, late February, I worked an early shift. When I got off, I was feeling a little crazy from lack of sleep, and I reached my place about 20 minutes before I usually leave for work, and on the corner of the sidewalk opposite me was the guy. He was checking his watch over and over and looking up. I did a bit of brilliant deductive analysis and followed his gaze up to my living room window. Then I looked back down at him. He looked right at me. There was a moment of tension as we stared each other in the eyes. Like I said, this dude didn't give off any evil or dark vibes. 
I've met people that do. No, what I saw in this guy's eyes, in his face, was much more human and much scarier. Desperation, loneliness, pain, and anger. He hurried after me, but I'm six foot three and a former sprinter, whereas he was a five foot eight junkie wearing flip flops on ice. I made it to the first set of doors to my apartment, scanned myself in through the second, and locked them behind me. He walked through the unlocked first set and tried to open the second, tried pushing the handicap button to open them, and then gave up. Look, man, I'm sorry. Can we talk about it? Absolutely not. Leave me alone. Then I whirled on my heel and stomped over to the elevator. When I turned back, he was gone out into the snow. I didn't see him for a couple of weeks afterward, which is nice, because my boyfriend likes to walk down the street past the dude's apartment when he stays over and needs to go smoke. One night, my boyfriend was over at my place. He had just gone outside to smoke before we went to bed. Wendy mentioned that he wanted me to come with him the next time he went out. Why? I asked, pulling him in close to me while he shivered. It's dark and cold and I get paranoid out there sometimes. He mumbled into my chest. There's this creepy dude that sometimes stands on the corner across the way and just stares at the building. One time he asked me for a cigarette and I told him I didn't have one when I had one literally in my hand. He laughed, kissed me, and passed out. I laid there awake, troubled. When I was sure my boyfriend was deeply asleep, meaning after about five minutes had passed, I extricated myself and went to the window. It was a cold, clear night. I could see across the street, under the orange glow of the street light, there was the guy. I couldn't make him out clearly, but when he saw me, he waved. I flicked him off and closed the blinds. I didn't feel like I should tell my boyfriend, because he was either going to immediately go to the police, which I hate doing, or he'd try and defend me. And while I love him with my entire heart, I don't want to watch a fight between a junkie stalker and my underweight nicotine addicted boyfriend. So I kept it to myself and still have not told him. I did, however, start accompanying him when he went out to smoke. The guy was usually outside. Sometimes he'd follow us for a bit before ducking away down a side street. Sometimes he would watch from a distance. Sometimes he'd be up in his apartment. My boyfriend never noticed. I kept my composure and nothing happened. One night, though, we went out so my boyfriend could smoke, like normal. When we had reached the end of the street and turned around, the stalker was behind us, about 50 feet back. I turned my head to check and there he was. He waved at me again, and something told me I had to get back inside. Hey babe. I said quietly to my boyfriend. Let's get back inside, yeah? I'm cold. He kissed me on the cheek and said, okay, I'm almost done anyway. We walked back to the apartment building and without turning, I knew that the stalker was behind us the entire time. I kept my hand intertwined with my boyfriend's and kept up the casual conversation we had been having about how I hate geese. We got back up to my apartment and he got changed for bed while I grabbed some water. 
So I've never lived in an apartment before and I don't know if it's odd or not, but this building has a wired telephone in each unit that rings when someone wants to be let in. Ours never rings unless it's Uber Eats, so my boyfriend was surprised when it started ringing late at night when neither of us had ordered anything. It's probably just some jerk playing a prank, I said, unhooking the phone from the wall and putting it in the kitchen cabinet. He accepted that without a struggle and we laid down in bed. After he was soundly out, I got up, got dressed, grabbed a couple of things and headed downstairs in my thick winter coat. Sure enough, my fanboy was out there, in the parking lot. He waved at me and jogged over, smiling broadly. Hey, what do you want? I said flatly. Look man, I feel like we ended things awkwardly last time and I just wanted to talk to you. So you stalked me. What? He started to look angrier, his brows furrowing. No man, I didn't stalk you. I just wanted to know when I could talk to you, but you always avoid me. Now you're walking around out here with that skinny little bitch boy trying to rub it in my face and I don't freaking appreciate that. Look, man. He said smiling again, stepping closer. You want to go talk about it back at my place? Ditch him and come hang out with me tonight. Please. I won't shoot up or nothing this time. He took another step closer to me. I saw in his right hand a dully gleaming piece of metal. A folded up switchblade. He smiled at me and I stepped back, shaking my head. His smile drained away into a deep scowl. I'm done asking. You're gonna come over to my place now and finish what we started. He growled, unfolding the knife and pointing it at me. This dude was five foot eight tops and skinny. I'm six foot three, 200 pounds, and I regularly lift weights. Also, I had a 12 inch kitchen knife, which I drew from my coat pocket and leveled at his throat. He looked at my knife and then back at his and smiled again. Bro, bro, I, I was just playing. We don't gotta... We, we can just talk right here, bro. I, Leave me and my boyfriend alone. I said very quietly. Or I will cut your face off and eat it. What the f... I spent eight years in juvie for stabbing a kid in middle school. I lied. He backed up, putting the knife back in his pocket. I took a step closer, holding my knife level. He backed away quickly, almost falling on the ice, until he was fully sprinting back to his place and I was chasing him down with my knife, until he crossed the street and I stopped, slid the knife in my pocket, and watched him run back to his building. Then I went back up to my bedroom, told my boyfriend I had just had to use the restroom, and fell asleep. So to the nameless stalker junkie, let's not meet again, or I'll eat your face. Thanks again to our contributors for sharing their creepy stories with us tonight. If you have any you'd like to send me, you can send them over to nightmaresocietyradio at gmail.com. I do have quite a list going over there, so I apologize to anyone who has sent them over and hasn't heard back yet. I'm always perpetually working on that backlog. And don't forget to follow us over on Instagram at Nightmare Society Radio. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time. Sweet.